1: Anybody have underlined 2 Timothy 3.12? Yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Probably not. Probably not. But all Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture. All Scripture. In fact, if you take this verse and you look it up in the Greek, the word all means All.
0: Sometimes we like to pick and choose the passages of Scripture that we apply to our lives, or that we cling to His promises. In today's message, though, Pastor Dave reminds us that all we read in the Scripture is meant to be part of our Christian walk. We need to accept the difficult right along with the good. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 1, as he begins his message, Biblically Based and Balanced.
1: Today, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Acts. So if you'll open up your Bibles to Acts 1. I'm going to read Acts 1, 15 through 26, but our main focus is basically going to be on Acts 15 through 20. So if you'll open up your words, we'll read. Please read along silently as I read aloud. Acts 1, verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, altogether the number of names was about 120, and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David, concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their own language a that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in among us, Beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph, called Bersabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, O you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place." And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. The gifted Bible teacher, Warren Wisby, was asked this question one time when he was doing a radio broadcast. The question is, why do we teach from the Old Testament? After all, it is ancient history, and it's been all fulfilled by Jesus. Wisby answered and said this, the only Bible that the early believers had was the Old Testament, and yet... They were able to discover the will of God. We need both the old and the new. In fact, the New Testament writers often quote it from the Old Testament to prove their point. Then he gave this very interesting quote from St. Augustine or St. Augustine, "The new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed." That was pretty interesting. Certainly, we must interpret the old by the new. But well, we must not think that God no longer speaks to us or to His people through the Old Testament. For the Scripture says, all Scripture was given by God. We see this on Wednesday night. Those of you that have been coming on Wednesday night know that the Lord has been speaking mightily through these Old Testament verses. And we are seeing some really fantastic revelation of what the Lord did at that time, taking those things and now applying it to our lives as we go along. And it's all Old Testament Scripture. And you know what? I think we're enjoying it. We're really having a good time because I can see by the light in the people's eyes, the questions that are being asked afterwards, and those type of things, that we're really starting to see some things that maybe we've never looked at before or in a different way, and it's really exciting for me. But the Lord has spoken to us through these chapters, and we continue to apply them to our lives. And then our lives become a testimony of God's Word that's alive in us. The Apostle Paul says we're epistles written on the hearts of men. So as others see God's Word alive in us, they're going to be drawn into a relationship with Him. And that's the purpose. That's one of the reasons why we study God's Word. Well, we're going to see God's Word alive in Peter this morning. As we continue in our study of the book of Acts, we find the disciples, 120 of them it says, continuing in one accord, praying in the upper room, waiting for the promise of the Father. They were in obedience to the Word of God. We've been looking at distinctives of the early church through our study in the book of Acts, and so far we've looked at the distinctive of Jesus, the head of the church, the main focus, if you will. We've looked at the Holy Spirit, the work that the Holy Spirit does, and our relationship to the Holy Spirit. We also studied the distinctive of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Come, Lord, quickly. Last week, we looked at the unity of the early church and how this unity led to the strength of the early church. Today, we want to open up another distinctive of the early church, the distinctive of the wisdom from scriptures, the distinctive of being biblically based and balanced, biblically based and balanced, a distinctive which is much needed in today's church. As we look at our text today, like I said, we're only going to be looking at Acts 1, 15 through 19. We see the disciples still gathered in the upper room. Peter stands up in their midst of his companions and begins speaking to them about the scandal of Judas, the betrayer of Jesus Christ. As Peter stood up among his brethren, he brings up a very delicate issue, an issue that probably was on everybody's mind, but nobody wanted to go there. Nobody wanted to open up the conversation about, gee, what about Judas? I'm sure it was on everybody's mind. I mean, after all, he had been with them for three years. He had supped with them. He had held the bag. He had followed Jesus. He had heard everything that Jesus taught. Wouldn't somebody be curious as to
0: what happened to Judas?
1: Gee, Judas was a talked about man. It says in verse 19, and it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. Here we see the news of Judas was well known. People knew the news of his betrayal, the news of his suicide, and what was done with the money that he got for his treacherous act. His story was heard throughout the land. In fact, when Paul, the apostle, goes before King Agrippa in Acts 26, and in verse 26, he declares to the king, this thing was not done in a corner. And what he's referring to is the life and the historical events, all the historical events that encapsulated Jesus' life. Nothing was done in a corner. Nothing was hidden, so everybody knew. The entire region had heard of Jesus and all that happened to him and his followers, including Judas's fate. When Judas killed himself, it undoubtedly added fire to the steamy headlines of local newspapers and gossip circles. I could just see a picture of Judas's body laying in the middle of the field with his entrails hanging out, disemboweled, if you will, on the front of the Jerusalem Daily News the next day. I mean, you could picture this thing in your mind, how it was the talk of everybody in town except the disciples. They weren't speaking about it. So Peter stands up and declares that the Scriptures need to be fulfilled. And he decides that he's going to assist in their fulfillment. As an aside, my question has to be, is the Holy Spirit leading this discussion? Or was this just something Peter, you know, impetuous Peter, was trying to do on his own? Remember our discussion regarding the Holy Spirit in John 20, verse 22, where Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. We said that this was when the disciples received the Holy Spirit and basically they were born again. The Holy Spirit came into them and was now dwelling and guiding in them and leading them on. Peter could have been nudged by the Holy Spirit to do this. But that's the story that we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about that next week. Today, we want to look at the importance of God's word. We want to discuss being biblically based and balanced. Having a biblical worldview is very important to us as Christians as it was to the early church gathered in that upper room. The Scriptures were important to Peter, and he knew them. He didn't have study time. He didn't read the Scriptures and study up before this time. He just stands up in the midst of everybody, and he says, Men and brethren, in Acts one sixteen, this Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before, by the mouth of David, concerning this Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Even before the Holy Spirit had come upon them, the promise of the Father, Peter was alive in the Scriptures. And you know what? It would only get better when the Holy Spirit, or after the Holy Spirit came upon them. Take some time later and check out Peter's Spirit-filled sermon in Acts 2, 14 through 39. Check that out and see how Peter stands up again in front of all these people and gives this beautiful sermon, which is obviously led of the Holy Spirit. Now, the scriptures that Peter was referring to in verse 16 were Psalm 69, 25 and Psalm 109:8, And you can see those in verse 20. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. Let another take his office. Peter uses these two verses to shed light on some things that happened to Judas. If it were not for his understanding of these verses, we might not have known what happened to Judas or how it all came together. Peter does an excellent job of interpreting the text and revealing this to us. You know, this is an example of what good interpretation does of the Bible. It reveals and exposes the true meaning of the text, and that's extremely important to us. Peter was accurate in his biblical approach to interpreting the text according to the events before him. By this, we see that the Word of God was important to him. Peter obviously had been studying the Scriptures. And we can assume that Peter discovered these verses in one of two ways. First, by the Word of God, by reading it, and second, by revelation from the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I think it was a combination of both. I think peter this was revealed to Peter by a combination of both. This revelation allowed Peter to take these two verses, which might seem obscure, and connect them to Judas. Look at what Peter said. The scriptures had to be fulfilled which by the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David. We see from this that Peter believed in the inspiration of the scriptures. The inspiration of the scriptures was important to Peter. This brings us to one of the two words that we're going to look at when we study this distinctive of being biblically based. The first word is inspired. This is the recognition that all scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, and he says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is inspired. All Scripture. If you're ever involved in a church or in a group, or you become part of a Bible study where the teacher stands up and says, Well, now, we can't be sure if this verse in this section is inspired or not, My suggestion is to you, stand up and leave. That's my suggestion. Why? Because once you say, I will decide what part of the Bible is inspired and what part is not, you become the judge of the Bible instead of allowing the Bible to judge you. The Bible is God's word. We're going to get to that in a minute in more detail. It's amazing the verses that we will cross out if we have the opportunity And I challenge you again to go to your Bible, open your Bible, not now, but open your Bible, look through, look at all the underlined and starred verses. Look at all the underlined and starred verses. My guess is that all those verses that are underlined and starred in your book are promises from God. They're all probably wonderful promises that God has made to you. And they're probably blessings which you know God has said. But does anybody have underlined 2 Timothy 3.12? Yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Probably not. Probably not. But all Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture. All Scripture. In fact, if you take this verse and you look it up in the Greek, the word all means All. Nothing's really technical here, guys. It means all. On this same theme of spiritual inspiration, when Peter is writing his second epistle in chapter 1, verse 19 to 21, he says this, For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Inspiration. Inspiration. All Scripture is inspired by God. Remember what we said about unity, that these believers were in one accord. They were like-minded. They were one passion. So we must conclude that these early believers felt the same way that Peter did. And therefore, they gladly accepted the truth of the Scriptures. These early believers realized that and lived the fact that their lives were biblically based. They learned not to do anything without spiritual confirmation. Everything they did was led by the Spirit and had confirmation through the Word of God. The Old Testament, I might add. The Old Testament. They had a biblical worldview, meaning that they viewed the world through the Scriptures and applied everything according to what the Scriptures said, and this would be good for us to do. This is what we need to do. We need to have a biblical worldview. I don't know if you remember when I told you to vote with a biblical view. That's what I'm talking about. The view of the Bible. What does the Bible say? You take the Bible and you match it to those that are running. And who matches up best with the Bible? And that's my opinion of how we should vote. A biblical view. A biblical view. The early believers felt that it was important to know and understand the Word of God. They spent a good deal of time studying and learning from those who had been with Jesus. In fact, they felt so strongly about studying the Scriptures that in Acts 6... They sent people out to get other men that would come in and do the daily chores of the ministry so that they would have more time spending and studying the Word of God. In Acts 6, verses 2 to 4, this is what it says Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That's how strongly they felt about it. They didn't want to deny it. They didn't want to leave it behind. It wasn't something that they did, oh yeah, we should study the Scriptures. It was something that they did naturally. They wanted to study the Scriptures. Now, I'm not trying to point fingers and throw some guilt trips out there, but how's your Bible study? How's your daily devotions in Bible study? Do you get up in the morning and go, oh, I've got to read the Bible, oh, man. Or do you get up go, I can't wait to read the Word and see what the Lord's going to talk to me today with. Or are you somewhere in between? And it's okay where you are. God will deal with you wherever you are. He will speak to you when he gives you that impetus to, to open up that Bible and to read the Word and to study the Word. Some people study in the morning. Some people study at night. Some people study midday. Some people don't open the book at all. And I'm not throwing guilt trips, I'm just saying, when we want a biblical worldview, and we want to be biblically balanced, and we want to be biblically based, we need to know what the Word of God says. It needs to be in our hearts. It needs to be something that comes right off the top of our head, just like Peter, when he stood up in the midst, he just, boom, he came out. This had to be fulfilled, and this is why. For days after the resurrection, Jesus had opened their eyes to the Scriptures of the disciples. We talked about that. He opened their eyes. This led a hunger for God's Word. They found a new zeal in studying God's Word. They saw their Messiah in a new light. Can you imagine this for one moment? This Messiah that they had read about all through the Old Testament, this Messiah that they had been waiting for for a long time, that Israel had talked about time and time again, this Messiah now had a face to it. Wow. Can you imagine what they must have thought knowing that this was the same Messiah? They had a love for the Scriptures. As a church, we should love the Scriptures. We should love Bible study. We should love getting along with God, open up His Word, studying it, reading it, allow Him to minister to me. One of the best times I ever had, and by far, please, it's only happened one time. I'm not up here as a bragger, but one of the best times I ever had was one time I opened up the Bible and I was reading, and the Lord ministered to me through one word. It was the neatest thing I've ever had happen to my entire life. It only happened once. I can't regenerate that. Okay, Lord, which word are you going to talk to me today? It doesn't work that way. It just happened to be that one time. God wants to get you alone. He wants you to get you in his word so that he can speak to you. Word of God, speak. Is that how you come to church? Word of God, speak to me today. That's why I'm here. I want to hear from you, creator of the universe, the one who created me. Speak to my heart today. That's why I'm here. Fill me. I'm not here because I have to be. I'm not here because it's Sunday and that's what we do. I'm here to hear from you, Lord. It's important. In verse 17 and verse 18a, we read this. For he, talking about Judas again, was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Now this man purchased the field with the wages of iniquity. Now we know from several passages of Scripture, Matthew 27, verse 10, it says in Matthew 27, verse 10, I'll begin with verse 9. Then this fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was the children of Israel price, and gave them for a potter's field, as the Lord directed. And also in Zechariah 11.13, in 11.13, it also talks about Judas when it says, And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, that pricely price they set on me. So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord, the potter was originally a potter's field. And you can imagine, after years of the potter in there doing his thing and making mistakes and throwing the pot stuff out there, it didn't become useful for anything except a burial plot. So they had this field outside. It accumulated. But in verse 18b it says, And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. He was disemboweled. Now who's thinking... Wait a minute, contradiction, (sniffs) contradiction, the Bible's, I told you the Bible had contradiction in it, what are you talking about? Ah, there's contradictions all over the place, I can't trust this thing. There's no contradictions here, but the skeptics always cry out that there's a contradiction here. We hear this all the time. According to the scriptures that we have before us, Luke and Matthew tell us that Judas went out and hung himself. The rope broke, he fell and his insides fell out. It's a simple thing. The Bible isn't full of contradictions. It's full of explanations. It tells us things. It guides us things. Because the Bible is God's word, it is true and it is accurate. This brings us to another word we need to examine when studying this distinctive of biblically based the word inerrant. So you have inspired and you have inerrant. Inerrant means full of truth, it means no mistakes, infallible, infallible. These early believers had confidence in the Scriptures. They believed that the Scriptures to be the Word of God and therefore the inerrant, infallible. Because God had written it, it had come to pass. They had great confidence, as I said, in the Word of God. And they gave testimony. When they gave testimony of God, they gave it through the Word of God. When they preached salvation, they preached through the Word of God. They had confidence. Everything they said was according to the Scriptures. Remember, the only scriptures they had was the Old Testament. But they preached salvation. Later, when Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica, he says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Second Thessalonians 2.13 Paul praises this church for the way they receive the Word of God. How do you receive the Word of God? Do you question its truth? Do you question its validity? Or do you receive it as what it really is, the inherent, infallible Word of God?
0: Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AsureHoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the Body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique, God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit AsureHoperadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.